Welcome to the fifth edition of our podcast series, Talking Data, which offers timely insights into macro data and its impact on the economy and markets. I'm Kristen Radish of Arbor Research and Trading, and I will be our moderator today. Our podcast features Jim Bianco of Bianco Research. In today's installment, Jim will be providing his in will be discussing the market correction. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Let's talk about the speculation in the options market. How big has this market become? Yeah, right now the correction that we're having is the biggest correction since the March 23rd low, about 10% on the NASDAQ, around 7-ish percent on the S&P. Uh, and it's all been centered in the options market. A couple of statistics to kind of put this in perspective. Each listed option is worth 100, buy or sell 100 shares, call or put. If you take the total volume times 100 shares, this is the first time since options, listed options started trading in the 1970s that you have more shares trading on the options exchanges than you do have trading in the stock exchanges and the underlying stock exchanges. So options trading has become huge. 60% of it is in maturities uh, that expire or contracts that expire in less than two weeks. 13% of it is in one contract trades up from 4% a year ago. And something like 70% of it is in contracts, uh, 10 contracts or less. So what I'm trying to say is there's been an explosion of options trading and it's been largely a retail driven trade right now. Uh, and uh, it has been really concentrated in the FANG names and Microsoft, NVIDIA, Tesla, so just a handful, eight or nine names is the majority of the trading. Uh, you know, we like to talk about SoftBank and we like to talk about Gamma Books. And, you know, these are options strategies that you need to, to have explained nine times and stand on your head and you still don't understand them. But this is a little more straightforward. This is a bunch of day traders that used to bet on sports that are now bored and now are playing in the options market. Why in the options market? Because um, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, best line I've heard about this is that it's it's unrestricted leverage. In other words, I buy a Tesla call and it matures in a week. If Tesla has one of their giant runs where it's up 15% a week, I could double, triple, quadruple my money. If it doesn't, it expires worthless, I lose a few hundred dollars. I try again next week, try again next week, and then bam, I hit the jackpot and I wind up making a lot of money. So that's really where the speculation is going uh, with this. So it's been, what's happening in the options market is unlike anything we've ever seen. And do you see that continuing? Yeah, I do, at least for now. Uh, <clears throat> these, these small traders have it in their mind that the market, you know, they're, they're Pied Piper, uh, Dave Portner, Davey Day Trader. Davey Day Trader did not create this he is a symptom of it. He is not the cause of it. So when he says, um, you know, rule number one, stocks always go up. Rule number two, when in doubt, never forget rule number one. They all believe this. Why do they believe this? Well, they can't, you know, give you a definition of uh, quantitative easing or the Fed's 13-3 emergency facilities that they're buying corporate ETFs or any of that other stuff or, the, or how the uh, structured bailouts of the uh, airline industry was in the stimulus package. They don't know that. They don't need to know that. All they know is there's a big powerful entity out there that will not let the stock market go down. So I want to be long. So until that stops working, yeah, I still think that even though we're having a correction, um, th this is not going to go away, at least initially, as long as they believe that the Fed is still hanging out there. 
and it's got their back. Let's talk a, bit, a little bit about the valuation in the market. I mean, we're the highest since 2000. Yes, that's right. If you look at the Wall Street's favorite metric, the forward PE ratio, take Wall Street's guesses is what earnings will be over the next year and then divide it by the S&P. The, the ratio, the PE ratio is, is 26. Uh, it peaked, its all-time peak was the 2000 speculative bubble peak at 27. In fact, we actually took that peak out a couple of weeks ago on September 2nd when we hit the all-time high. Um, if you take out all those high-flying growth and fang stocks and look at just the value stocks, it's also an all-time record. Market cap to GDP, just off an all-time record. There's no cutting it any other way. The stock market by the conventional measures is overvalued, or at least it's fully valued at the best case scenario and probably overvalued. And part of this is this massive speculation that's just been ramping these stocks higher and higher and higher. So when you look at the two, they kind of go together that you've got rampant speculation and it has resulted in a, a, a froth in uh, valuation. And if we talk next about, you know, why not bearish? The difference now is the Fed and the government are heavily involved in the markets. Can you give us some thoughts around that? Exactly right. Um, what I just said is that there's a massive speculation in the market. All right, it's driven out of the options market, but nevertheless, there's a specu massive speculation in stocks and it's resulted in an overvaluation. Oh my God, that's exactly what we're looking for. Sell everything, the market's gonna tank, it's over. Traditionally, <clears throat> that would be the argument. But what's different now, so you know, is that we've got the Federal Reserve with specific programs in place to support financial markets. The Federal Reserve, which two weeks ago, when they revised their mandate, that they added in that they've got kind of an unwritten mandate. They said the, the quiet part out loud, financial stability is part of their mandate. They believe that their job is to prevent the market from going down. That printing press or the ability to expand their balance sheet, the vernacular would be the printing press. In other words, create money out of thin air and use that money to buy securities is almost unlimited. And so, it is not perfect. The markets can go down with central banks buying. It's happened in Europe. It's happened in Japan. But it's not as easy as it's overvalued and there's speculation. Sell, we're done. It's going down. It's not going to go without a fight. So I do think, though, that the offset to this is that you've got the Fed out there. So normally I'd look at valuation and I'd look at <coughs> speculation and I'd say bearish sell. I'm going to go with 10 to 15% correction now. We've done 8 to 10. Now, it could metastasize itself into something worse. But I always feel like somewhat of investing is kind of like a 12-step program. You know, let's get let's get the 10 to 15% out of the way first. Then we could go back and we can look at what do we want to do next after that and what do we want to do third after that. So, I would look for the correction part first. The Fed is is uh, definitely a big player they're not a player yet but the expectations is won't take much more of a decline to get them more involved in the market what do you think of what are your thoughts on yesterday's fed meeting uh lots lots of talk today about it uh what are what are your thoughts and feelings as a takeaway um, <clears throat> what he did was he codified in the meeting and they 
codified in the meaning that they changed their way that they operate. In 1977, the Fed got a dual mandate from Congress. Congress said, Fed, your job is to make sure that employment is as high as possible and inflation is as low as possible. And the Fed has been trying to figure out what that means. And so they forever, for 40 years, said that this dual mandate is equal. We're equally focused on unemployment as we are on inflation. Two weeks ago, they said, actually, employment is going to be more important than inflation. That all things being equal, if we don't believe we're at full employment, that there's more jobs to be had in the market, we'll let the economy run hot, to use their phrase, to allow inflation to percolate a little bit more uh, at, so that we could create more jobs. That's all fine and good. I don't have a problem with any of that. But what I've argued is that the Fed's got to be careful is that it's not their call. Um, if inflation starts to percolate and the market is upset with it, Inflation is the one thing that will get all bond investors everywhere to run away from the bond market because it just reduces your value of your bond holdings um, because of the purchasing power. And you don't want to own a fixed income security when you have variable inflation rising. And we haven't had variable inflation rising for 30 years. But I've argued that if inflation comes back, investors will run away from the bond market the bond market will see yields go up, even the Fed can't stop it, and they might be forced to change their opinion. Think of the fourth quarter of 2018. The Federal Reserve said, look, we're gonna reduce the balance sheet, and the phrase they used is, it's on autopilot. Don't worry about it, it's gonna be like watching paint dry. Market tanked, didn't like that story. Then they said it again, don't worry, it's gonna be on autopilot, market tanked again. Then what did they do next? They came out and said, okay, forget everything we just said, we're gonna be patient and flexible, and we're going to now change it. So I think that, you know, as long as there's no inflation, the, the, the speculation in the markets can continue. But if there is a whiff of inflation, how do you know we have it? Interest rates go up. I don't mean just that the 10-year goes from 68 basis points to 78. I mean, it goes to 1%, or it's on its way to one and a quarter, and the Fed can't stop it. That forces them out of the game, and then you're left with an over-speculated market, an overvalued market, and it's in real trouble. So they kind of codified that yesterday. The other thing the Fed did yesterday was they they put in their forward guidance a little stronger. That's gobbledygook speech for the Fed is just going to tell you what they're going to do next. And what they announced they're going to do next is they're not going to raise rates for three years. Okay, fine. As long as you don't get that inflation, you won't raise rates for three years. But you get that inflation, you might be forced to raise rates. It's so much so that a lot of market participants looked and said, well, I guess we're done with the Fed because I don't know what they could possibly talk about at the next meeting. They've already laid it all out. We're done. We're at zero. Nothing's changing us. See you in November. Yeah, well, what are you going to say in November? You might as well cancel the meeting uh, at this point. There's no reason to even host the meeting uh, as we go forward from here. So that's what the Fed um, did. And I think that it's playing into this, fostering this fear that maybe inflation is coming back. Maybe the Fed is 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 going to be a little bit slower in reacting to inflation, and that might be ups upsetting the markets and helping this correction move along. Just a correction, not anything more than that. Any final thoughts for today as we wrap up our podcast? Um, one thing to keep in mind about the markets, 
is that the volatility has been unusual. The Fed has been purchasing treasury securities. They have purchased $3 trillion worth of, $3 trillion with the T dollars worth of treasury securities since March. The volatility measures in the bond market are at near all-time lows. But the stock market, it's not near all-time lows. Currency markets, it's not near all-time lows. Those markets are moving higher as well, too. So bear in mind that as you watch markets and you look over at the bond market, you go, man, nothing's happening there. It's always the same yield. Never seems to move. That's because of that heavy thumb that the Fed has on that market. And it's when that thumb comes off that market or the market fights off that thumb and it starts to move higher in yields. I think that's the real game changer for all markets. And they're going to have a real hard time for it. That would take inflation, as I've mentioned before. I don't think it's necessarily imminent that we're going to see inflation, but I'd be looking for it over the next several months. And then I look for its manifestation and showing up and that that volatility that's non-existent in the bond market comes back. Thanks for your time today, Jim. We really appreciate it. And thank you to our audience for listening. Uh, as a reminder, Arbor Research and Trading is an institutional research and brokerage firm that produces innovative research across a broad range of global fixed income, equity, currency, and commodity markets. Bianco Research and Arbor Data Science are our two most prominent research offerings. Stay tuned for our next podcast next week. For more information on Arbor Research, Bianco Research, and Arbor Data Science, please contact Gus Handler at gushandler.com.